0: I think it was the itch to scratch was, I just wanted, I felt like I had missed something, that history is very rich. And in school, I thought of history as dates and times and wars and events, but history really teaches you a lot in philosophy. I mean, I couldn't spell philosophy just to, to save my life, but I think you do learn from you know philosophers that have really been thinkers.
1: This is the Indianness podcast, stories of success from leaders and changemakers of Indian origin. Why have Indians achieved success across so many different disciplines around the globe? I have no idea, but let's find out together. Every story is unique. Very excited to have Dr. Sanjay Rishi with us today. He's the CEO of Work Dynamics for GLL, a global real estate firm. He has also served in global leadership roles at Coopers, Johnson Controls, and IBM. I invited him on this show as I was intrigued enough to get his opinion on the role of technology in how we live and how we work. Welcome, Sanjay. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on our podcast.
0: Sanjay, it's a pleasure and a privilege. I'm looking forward to our conversation. It should be fun.
1: I think it'll be a lot of fun, especially for our listeners and me. Sanjay, we basically record journeys of people to serve as inspiration for others. And to you know figure out a journey, you kind of have to go right to the beginning. And that's where we go. So can you please tell us where you were born and tell us a little bit about your parents also?
0: I'd be happy to, Sanjay. But I should start by saying... It's humbling to be called successful. I'll start with that. So I appreciate the vote of confidence. The journey continues. You know, I was born in Delhi. To your question, I grew up, most of my childhood, was in a little storybook town called Renukut. It's about 100 miles from Banaras, Varanasi. And it really was and continues to be a storybook town. If you're familiar with any of the big industrial conglomerates in India, and they would have residential neighborhoods that were built. And this was literally a town on a hill, very safe, very secure, a childhood that was was just wonderful. I mean, I tell my kids that I think we were fortunate, those of us that grew up in Renacute, our early childhood, to have grown up there, grew up with friends that were lifetime friends, continue to be lifetime friends. It was just wonderful. And I think what stayed with me all these years later is the exposure to sports to theater to music, the kind of performers that came into town, the kind of education we got. And it was just just wonderful. I went to boarding school after that and then engineering school and here a few decades later on these shores. So it's been quite the journey.
1: Well it seems to be. But you know, tell us a little bit about this storybook town. You said it was an industrial town. You know, we have Many industrial towns like, you know, Tata has their steel plant. Birla's have theirs. Tell us a little bit about this. How big was it? Was dad employed there? And who all were living there? Just walk us through that.
0: Yeah, sure. So it is Hindalku, Hindustan Aluminum. And I think it still is, but at one time it was the largest on the planet in terms of an integrated uh, aluminum manufacturing facility. So from mineral to metal. It was unique in its own way. And dad was a self-made man, grew up in, you know, modest family, the youngest of the brothers. He has a younger sister, my aunt, and went to engineering school and got recruited, but, you know, got a few good breaks, came to the States for training, et cetera, in the aluminum industry. Went back and grew up to be the leader of the manufacturing capabilities of metal, or rather the mineral to powder process. So aluminized the powder, and he was the president of that manufacturing business. And watching him, I learned, I think, a little bit. Hopefully carry it with me. But that's how we ended up in, in Rengu.
1: So he was an engineer by profession?
0: He was. He was a chemical
1: engineer, yeah. Chemical engineer. And he went to the U.S. and then he came back.
0: That's right. He came here for training as part of the process of this industry being set up in India. So it was in collaboration with Kaiser Aluminum, which is a manufacturing, obviously, conglomerate at that time anyway, in the, in the field. Lots of stories he brought back. and But yeah, he did go back to the mothership.
1: So tell us a little bit about the township. How big was it? You must have your own society, schools. It seems uh, you said it's a storybook, so I'm I have that Bollywood image of that town in my mind. So I'm trying to kind of go from
0: there. It was not too far from any images you might have. I would describe the town. I'll get the numbers wrong, but obviously it started off with a few thousand people. I'm going to guess around 10,000 grew to about 10, 20, 25,000 employees, all the families, and then continued to grow after that. And of course, the whole ecosystem you know, hospitals and stores and shopping and all of that starts around. it. The town wasn't very big. We had, I think, one movie theater when we were little, but the part of the town that we lived in is where the senior leaders were, and that was quite small. But it was storybook, everything that you imagine. So the the intersections of streets had sculptures, and the roads were literally washed every afternoon at 4 o'clock in the evening sprawling lawns and flowers and you know there was there's was a club and a swimming pool and like i said amazing amount of theater growing up and you'll relate to some of these names but think of the top performers from a music standpoint dance they were brought into town as guests so we were exposed to more than we realized we were being exposed to and, and i think a little bit of that stays with you so in many ways quite fortunate you know i think of it as Was it a life of affluence? Maybe not, but a life of plenty. And it it was wonderful to just kind of learn. And uh, like I said, all those things stay with you as you grow up. Well, it sounds
1: like it, Sanjay. So it was a company town, like the firm, so to speak, but obviously not unlike the firm you can leave in the firm you couldn't leave. And it seemed like they took really good care of it from a culture, education, and everything standpoint. So people wanted to grow there. Any siblings you had?
0: Yep, I have a younger brother, and how, course, how? What
1: is the age difference between the two? Uh,
0: he's eight years younger than I am, and you know, Dad and Mom give us a lot. Like I was telling you, watching Dad, some of the things I think that I remember is this idea of what we would call today empathetic leadership, knowing the names of literally hundreds, if not thousands, of people that work for him. Thousands, really, knowing whose kid was getting married and asking them questions about the health of their mother or. Somebody that was sick, you know, little things that just came naturally to him. I think that's a little bit of what I put on a pedestal anyway. And if anything, that becomes important. People leadership is so important today's day in the world. And that's something that was really, really special.
1: And you observed that growing up with him? I mean, you saw a lot of people come into the house and interact with him?
0: Oh, yeah. Scores every day. And this was, you kind of pick it up, you know, obviously as a child, you're not paying attention to it. You're a sponge, being around you, even, even the way he interacted with people in public settings and so on. And he was well-respected just for that. And, you know, if I think about it, it does take everybody together. So the, the neighborhood help. I will say this, right? Looking back as a child, when you grow up in these neighborhoods, they are storybook. I'm sure from an adult standpoint, it has all the benefits and all the challenges of being a small town. So I'm sure there was a little bit of that, but if I think a mom and our teachers, I think, but mom i started start with, I mean, there was never a mountain too high. There was never a question that, you know, that I would be in her eyes to this day continues that way, that there was nothing I couldn't do. And that, that sort of confidence in you does help. Listen, I'm speaking on myself that this, as if this is such an exception, I think every mother on the planet believes their child can do anything, everything, and then some, but you do benefit from things like that and the support that you have all around you. So so mom was a family maker? Mom was a family maker and a very dedicated family maker and very much into everything that we were doing. Like I tell everybody here that asks, she taught me how to speak English and every other language that I speak, of course, but schooling, you know, she was there to keep me straight and if I was to digress, to get me back on, on track. So it was it was a nice, I have fond memories of the childhood, for sure.
1: Oh, that's great. And those memories are, you know, the most important thing we have. Sanjay, there's an eight-year difference between you and your brother. Were those eight years a little lonely for you?
0: Yeah, they were. Uh, you know, it started off, obviously, not to go into my family history, but there were incidents that weren't the most pleasant. But when he arrived, it was special. I will say though, growing up in a small town that with neighbors and friends, I mean, literally to this day, the friends that I had then are the friends that I have now, many more, but those are still friends. We don't know not knowing each other. I mean, we were born within months of each other, if not weeks of each other. We crawled together, we walked together. So there was this family, the sense of family, everyone took care of each other. So those things did help. Although, yeah, I'm sure there was loneliness.
1: And then when your brother was born, it was a pretty exciting time, right?
0: Very, yeah, very exciting, yeah. And uh, you kind of grow up you know, into a house where you wait to have a sibling because everyone else in the neighborhood hasn't sibling or siblings. We never had sisters, so I always used to wonder about that and kind of miss having a sister. And to jump ahead, I said to my wife before we were married, presumptuously, and I still remember she sta- the stare she gave me when she didn't know if she was ever going to marry me. I said, you know, if we don't have daughters, we'll adopt one and we'll name her Natasha.
1: <laughs> wow. And now? <laughs>
0: and our older one is Natasha. <laughs>
1: Thanks. That's the punchline. I knew you know? that. That's yeah, fantastic. Very much, very much fantastic. We call Lakshmi came home. But that's anyway, fine. that's uh, especially given we just had Diwali. Yeah. But, you know, that's great. Now, tell me about the schools there. How were the private schools there?
0: Yeah, there was a private school. And then when I was 15, I went off to boarding school. And that was self-driven, not by my parents or not by any other. I really wanted to get out. I think there was some sense of, I look back and go, there must have been something in the back of my mind that said, you're living a very insular, protected and life and you need to throw yourself into the world and really realize it sounds grandiose, but I think that was there. And I also wanted to see what it was like. There was a couple of friends of mine that had gone to, you know, Cynthia and others, and I really wanted to get out. And if I think about the childhood and some of the grounding, you know, you go there and the first thing you realize is you have to make friends. I didn't know how to make friends because I would never had to. So there's a lot of discomfort, but from that comes learning, from that comes you know, confidence that you can survive and build relationships. And then from there to engineering school, Berlin school of technology. And I would say the friends I made at BIT were the most, how should I put it, the most rewarding part of friendship to this day. They are the brothers that I lean on. And as you would agree, at that time when you're 17, 18, going into engineering, they know warts and all, they know me. You're as transparent as you always were. And when we are together, we're still 17 and 18 year olds. It was, and college was wonderful in terms of the opportunities to, to focus on engineering. I think one of the things that engineering school for me did, and I think does for a lot of people in India, because the workload is very different. I talked to my kids about this, and yeah, I'm sure you've heard this before. You take eight courses every semester for the four years you're in college. And if you add to it, Lab work, You're taking somewhere between 12 and 14 courses. So your life is a lot of work and time management, leadership, communication skills. There's so much of that I look back and say that had to have benefited in some small way or big way and whatever little I've been able to employ off that. In my daily life and work life had to have helped. I have to believe in some way. You know, it's, and it does teach you humility when you're in the middle of hundreds of students and you're trying to compete and all of that. So I think all those pieces kind of come together in some way, I hope. No, they do. It seems to have paid the bills anyway, paid the mortgage, fed the kids and sent them to school. I think they
1: did a little more than that. But, you know, just go back a little bit, one more time to the high school. How
0: was it academically? Academically was good. It was rigorous, easy. For you. I would say just as rigorous, bigger school, very different environment. And going from a small school from, like I said, a very protected insular world. But right? the primary school was easier? I don't know that it was easier. There was a good amount of competition even in the small classes we had. But think about, you know, the teenager that goes off from this sort of an environment into a boarding school and is staying in dorms and sleeping in dorms and has a life run by bells in the morning to by the time you go to bed. And, and you all have different your, houses, this yeah, house, that house. Yes, indeed.
1: Been there, done that. Uh, but just coming back, because our viewers want a little bit more about... So the primary school, were there subjects that you gravitated towards, uh,
0: Sanjay, when you were early on? Yeah, I would say, you know, math and science was always something that I did gravitate towards. I remember Sanskrit was one I really struggled with. If there was most, most people. Would, you're, was, not,
1: uh, you're not only totally one. Yeah, most
0: you know, it's Latin for your listeners that and Sanskrit's a very complex, very, I would say very progressed language in many ways, so structured. And and that was something that that was always a little bit of a challenge, I'll say my friends might remember stories. I think we all did. But one of the things that to that point that I realized later in life is because I always did math and science? I was a child of math, science, analytics—however you want to think about it. All through my education, I felt like I'd missed out on the liberal arts. I felt like I'd missed out on history and philosophy and all of that—that that I think makes you a, a full person. And I would see my kids here in, the, in America. You go to college, you have to take those things, and I, I felt like I'd missed it. So, the glutton for punishment I am—I went and put myself through a doctorate program, and I got a fair bit of exposure and all of that. So we'll
1: talk about that too. When you were, you know, back in the primary school and a little bit in there, who would be helping with homework? Was it mom or dad or just you were on your own?
0: No, I think uh, dad was a very hard worker, 14 days, 14 hours days, uh, including weekends. Uh, Mom would help. A lot of it was sort of self-policed, if you will with a little bit of yelling from every so often. Yelling would be a mild way of putting it, but all paid off, I guess. In some ways, I finished school and college, so it paid off. Uh, but yeah, mom would help every so often.
1: And uh, grades were pretty decent.
0: Grades were good. Yeah. Grades were good. And grades and were good. Uh, to get, to uh, be good. And, yeah. and, and engineering did very well and then came here and did well. Yeah, yeah not bad.
1: High school was boarding school. High school, is school. Well, You made the decision, where did you go for boarding?
0: Boarding was a daily college. It's also one of those schools that goes back to the colonial times, you know, mm-hmm. grand marble palaces and sprawling lawns and fields and cricket fields and football fields and squash courts and tennis courts and all of that. It was a wonderful experience and it had its challenges, like I said, just to, to get acclimatized. Those that grew up there, if you will, and were there since kindergarten or middle school. They had their own cliques, and you were coming in new? I was, I was actually, I've always felt welcomed into, there was a little bit of that, but I think you don't have to learn, if you will. When you arrive as a teenager, you know, grown up, you have to learn how to learn in a setting that allows you to go to the study room for this hour and that. You can't be distracted. You don't have the luxury of waking up in the middle of the night or working late at night. Uh, all those kinds of things were new muscle that I had to develop.
1: Well, that's uh, that's very true, but you were out in the boarding school, and then you decided to go to BITS. How was the? What was the thought process? I mean, BITS is a pretty rigorous place to go to. So, what was the thought? Because Dad had been an engineer.
0: Yeah. That, did Dad go to BITS by any chance? No, he didn't. Then. Okay. And I went to Berlin Institute Technology, which is in Messra, so BIT. And uh, the thought process was, I think, no different than most of us that grew up. It's engineering, it's medicine, it's math, it's sciences. And it felt like the right thing to do. It felt like the right career at that time to get into because it opened up opportunities and avenues for other things. You know, not unlike today, in fact, more so since I left India, I think it opens up anything you want to do. I actually flirted with maybe coming here and going at one point to medical school, definitely went to do. Yeah, because I think education is just so rewarding. I mean, I was always, over the years, I think, and the beauty about American education system is, you know, you could be a music minor or a music major, in undergrad, and you could be anything you want to be, medicine or whatever. I really found that just fantastic from an opportunity standpoint to be able to explore. And I think my kids have done that. And I look at them, and I'm pleased at, at what they've been able to do. That's
1: great. Obviously, BITS was a little challenging, but you built some great friendships there, right? Oh,
0: amazing friendships and really good foundation, I think, for experimentation and trying and failing and succeeding and all of that.
1: And what was the focus? What kind of engineering were you focused on? Mechanical. Mechanical. Yeah. Wonderful. And the academic rigor was okay?
0: academic rigor was very good. I performed very well. I will give credit to a couple of friends that would help me prepare. Uh, not help me in the exam just to be straight, but help me prepare. And prepare, uh, my extracurricular, in a good way, activities were a little bit much. I led the theater teams and I was the chief editor for our magazine and kind of traveled for competitions and all of that. So there was also a couple of friends that whose faces are lit up as I speak to you that would bring me notes from the classes and help me prepare. But with all of that, did well. Yeah, academically, yeah. did well. No regrets.
1: So, <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. But you did theater and some of these things. How did that come about? I mean, were you always interested in theater? Uh, because yeah, engineering always... and theater kind of are a little...
0: No, I was always interested. And I think this goes back to Renacute. Well, you know, there was just an exposure to music and theater and drama and sports. That was, I would say, we were really fortunate. So it's something I really enjoyed. I loved writing. I actually wrote plays and I directed and I the, the whole nine yards acted all of that. Public speaking. You know, I when I was in boarding school, competed in the. I don't know what we called it back then, but public school competitions for debates. It was just something that always stayed with me through school. And BIT allowed you the latitude to do that. The friends did, the environment did, all of that. So it was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, that's uh, very interesting. Do you think uh, that drama, public speaking has helped you with interactions with, whether it's clients, partners, or even part, your, in your personal life too?
0: I have to believe that it has helped, I think, broadly speaking liberal arts just understanding communicating i think self-confidence and this is what we always name and I, my wife and i always endeavored to do was with our kids the best gift a parent i think can give and we've said this to them and others uh, we've spoken about it as friends and i think we all agree i'm sure you agree the best gift you can give a child is that of self-confidence because there's life is life life happens you're going to have successes you're going to have whether they are failures or not so sort of successes, that that's going to happen. But if you have the self confidence to to just kind of keep going, you know, keep on, keeping on, I think that that helps. So I, I have to believe that all that and yeah. helps.
1: So you think some of your self confidence came for doing the theater, doing well from having that, you know, pretty nurturing environment, as you said, in a storybook thing, Sanjay.
0: Sanjay, you do this for a living, but I would say all of that went into the cauldron, and what came out was hot, steaming, and I guess it wasn't too bad tasting. So It was uh, uh, actually pretty <laughs> great tasting. Michelin, it came out
1: to be a Michelin star uh, <laughs> recipe. I wouldn't go but, that
0: far, but it okay. Well,
1: there are different grades of Michelin star. There you but go. That's- just kidding. But because we have a lot of guests coming, I've not had too many people talk about drama. That's why I'm intrigued. Drama, public speaking, because I I think you make a great point. In India, it's all or nothing. You know, you go to engineering, then it's engineering. You go to medicine, it's medicine. And I have no judgment call as to what is a good education system. I just think that, you know, you pointed that having a broad base, it really opens you up to so many different things. I think that's what you're kind of talking about a little bit here.
0: I really believe it. I really believe it. I think communication skills, writing skills, being able to express yourself, all of these things are so important because people don't know who you are, what you're about, or what you're thinking, unless you can express it and express it succinctly, effectively. I mean, as leaders, what do we do for a living? We make change happen, you know, with our clients, with our customers, with our products, our services, with our people. And, you know, that that would be what I aspire for is in any way, if I can be effective in communicating and making change happen, then I've done, you know, what the organization and my people expect of me, our people expect of me.
1: Yeah, I think communication, I think, you know, especially in the world of technology where we are so used to messaging, I think the personal communication is getting lost, but that's a topic for another podcast. BIT ended. How well did you do there? How did you do, if you don't mind, my
0: answer. I did very well. In my class, uh, I was, I didn't quite make top 10, but I was 11 when I graduated. So
1: that was fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. That's congrats. At that point, already your mind was thinking
0: about coming to the U.S. A little bit, but the U.S. was kind of interesting. You know, I applied because a senior who happened to have some application forms, this is pre-internet, of course, and I applied to three schools, got accepted, all of them with promises of rides. Picked the first one because I didn't know any better and actually paid off. Came here. We got married when we were still in school or in college. Oh, where
1: did you come for? Florida Tech and Florida not a place. Not a bad place to land. <laughs>
0: not a bad place. Neha and I got married when we were still doing our master's. and You met her in college there? Not in college. We Complicated. yes. And then we got married, came here and rushed through master's, did very well. And Kim got a job and got going and raised a family. And uh, I think Natasha was born a couple of years after. So we were in our early 20s. I think I was 22, I think, if I, when I got married, something like that. And she's younger than I am. But it was a wonderful journey. And the contrast between having the life I had in India and here, looking back is interesting because, you know, you come here as an immigrant and as a student with zero scaffolding. I'm the older brother, so there was no scaffolding. There was nothing to fall back of. if you, you fail. fail. And you don't recover from it. I don't know that you do. Just not having that, and of course, not having any money at all. I think it was three, $400 a month that we made together after taxes and all of that. And in that, we paid our rent and everything else that goes with it. But you know, just like the people that come into your lives, you look back. And my wife, I'm very fortunate. She never made me feel poor. She always, even when we had nothing, she always made me feel. And together, we felt like we had way more than we are. Our, our anniversary dinners were Pizza Hut and Burger King, and we loved it. We had a great time. We traveled as much as we could, and here we are.
1: That's fantastic. How was it, you know, coming from India from BIT to Florida academically? Was it rigorous? Change your different systems. They kind of let you think be it's much more open how was that
0: yeah again for my education i continued the path of very much math science analytics programming to some extent but operations research systems engineering so it was very math and science and honestly i think i was fooled in some ways because i came practically after my college right away there was a little bit of work in India, not much to speak of. The workload was much, much less based on what we just talked about. So it felt like I had all the time in the world I taught. I was a teaching assistant, but it felt like I had enough time to to have a good time and work hard. And yeah, the grades and the GPA couldn't get any better, so it was okay. That's
1: fantastic. Now tell me, when you were planning to come to the US, what was dad and mom's reaction, were they supportive, not supportive?
0: Very supportive. they were yeah, they were very supportive. Apprehension, of course, worries, as you might imagine. Part of it I think helped because dad used to travel the world and he was comfortable with the idea of not just America, but he would travel in Europe and other places. So he knew that he could come and visit. I was too proud to ask for anything. But at the same time, I think mom had a hard time, but it was they were okay, very supportive.
1: Yeah. That's great. So now, after you graduated from Florida, what happened, Sanjay?
0: We went looking for a job, and that's a whole story in itself. But the way I got the job was, you know, I had the printed resumes, and I was in this part of Connecticut, Massachusetts, that's very industrial and manufacturing heavy, because that's kind of what I could lean on. And I literally went and dropped off my resume. At places, a lot of places said, we're not hiring. I said, well, let me leave my resume anyway. And I got a call that Saturday and I started work manufacturing engineering on the shop floor. learned a lot in this part of Connecticut, northeastern part of Connecticut. A lot of Italian immigrants that taught me so much. I still refer to it in steel-toed shoes and all that. And I learned just a tremendous amount there working with people on the line and and like I said, I still use much of that.
1: So you got a job in Connecticut on the shop floor doing engineering stuff. How long did you stay there?
0: We were there for about four years, and then we moved to the Midwest, to Ohio with General Motors and EDS. That was just, uh, a nice kind of transition into our baby now, Natasha. Our baby then was a couple years old, maybe a year and a half, two years, two years old. And we moved there, and we had Shivani while we were in Dayton, and then we moved to Michigan from there. All with GM. All with GM, when Shivani was barely a year old. We moved to Michigan, and then we've stayed in Michigan ever since, and now we have other places that we live as well, including where I am now. We have a house in Atlanta that we have but still Michiganders.
1: Michigan is home.
0: Yeah, we're Midwesterners, Michiganders by all stretches of imagination. Yeah. So
1: from GM, where was the journey?
0: So I got recruited by Price Waterhouse, and that then became Coopers. I was a partner with Crew Into Partnership, and IBM, like I said, bought us as a firm, consulting firm, all the partners in our business.
1: The consulting
0: piece. The early 2000, yeah. I was a consulting partner. I was running supply chain in the automotive industry then, and came over to IBM as global automotive industry leaders that just enjoyed, loved that journey of, PWC, the whole partnership model is something I really enjoyed. Very entrepreneurial, learned a lot, tremendous amount. IBM was a wonderful journey as well. So, yeah, I it was, it was still in Michigan, never moved. Ran global businesses, traveled around the world, put 3 million miles on my airline. But yeah, it's
1: global services, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah,
0: very much. All my roles have been global uh, in some way, shape, or form through JCI, where I was the CIO, again, global responsibility. But again, a lot of learning, a lot of fun, yeah.
1: And then now, obviously you are at JLL. What does your, I mean, the you know, head of work, just for our listeners, can you just give a very brief understanding of what that means?
0: Yeah, so think about a workplace, and it can be anything. In today's world, it's also third places like homes and cafeterias and airplanes and all of that. But really, if you think about data centers, you think about offices, manufacturing, distribution, warehouses, if you just imagine the amount of technology and transformation that's going into spaces to be managed, smart buildings is just one example. Touchless this and touchless that, sensors everywhere, analytics, AI helping you manage the buildings better, and locating and finding spaces that are suitable and needed for organizations to succeed. It is the largest line item of spend outside of people in any Fortune 500, Russell 2000 company. So that's what we do. And the fun part for me is I'm not a commercial real estate guy by birth, clearly. But you know, technology is now ubiquitous. It's across industries. And in many ways, I've enjoyed reinventing myself I, over, even over Even when I ran IBM's global cloud services, it was financial services, banks and insurance companies and automotive and aerospace and chemicals and petroleum and touched every industry as we were doing that. So this this nomadic life across industries has been very rewarding.
1: Yeah. And then you also went and got a PhD. Yeah. Uh, what, what drove you to that? You just wanted to be called doctor because you were thinking of going to medicine. Uh, it so. doesn't
0: hurt. It doesn't hurt, Sanjay. But no, that, that would be... I think it was the itch to scratch was, I just wanted... I felt like I had missed something. That history is very rich. And in school, I thought of history as dates and times and wars mm-hmm. and events. But history really teaches you a lot in philosophy. I mean, I couldn't spell philosophy just to, to save my life. But I think you do learn from, you know, philosophers that have really been thinkers. So I think all of those things is what made me curious. And I had been around transformation of organizations even then all my career. One of the things I knew I would do is I would do my dissertation and my work around transformation and how do they succeed in organizations. So I think that helped accelerate my academic piece of the PhD and all the research piece and all the things that you have to do for your dissertation. So it was quick under five years, four and a half or so, which is fast for a doctoral program. And I did a lot of that on planes to Japan and to China and Singapore and every other part of the world, because back then it was a boon in disguise. You didn't have internet on the planes. So you weren't interrupted by work. So you could actually write. And you do end up writing a lot in in your doctoral programs. Wrote a lot.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, not easy. After being away from academics for a long time, it just, I think it's really hard. So really, congratulations on that. You know, when you look back, Sanjay, especially your childhood, what are the two, three great memories that you can think of? Well, that tells us a lot about the person also.
0: I think we touched on many of the memories. It's the family. Pick some
1: specific ones, if you don't mind.
0: We were very much a, what's the right word, a nuclear family. I would just go to the opportunities I had to be creative, Yeah, whether it's, you know, theater, and the opportunities we had to compete, to travel. They, you know, my dad, like I said, was very much, workaholic has negative connotations, but if you just take the positive connotations off that, there were years that he didn't leave town, if you can believe it. This small town, 100 miles from the next big city, he was there seven days a week. The man worked. Six and a half by his definition, but he really was thinking about work even Sunday afternoon. So I think those things from a work ethic standpoint stay with you. But at the same time, all the other things we talked about, empathy, all those things kind of stand out. There, there wouldn't be moments other than sort of the descriptive Going to boarding school, seeing new friends in college, all of those of getting in trouble.
1: Those are always. Those are. And some songs that remind you of some great moments too. <laughs> but we won't go there. Dad's empathy, his hard work as a workaholic. Do you, are you a
0: workaholic too? I try to balance.
1: I mean, and again, as you said, it's a, I call it a driven person, you know, a person who really enjoys what they do. Yeah, and they get paid enjoy, jo- I, and they get paid for it I for absolutely what they enjoy.
0: enjoy what I do I okay. absolutely get up in the morning energize about doing what we do and have I mean listen we all have bad days and bad and parts of our career but I really couldn't look back and say boy that was a lousy time in my life when I really hated what I was doing why the heck would you do it if if you hate what you're doing yeah absolutely but I try to find balance and you know, we, both Neha and I, are golfers. When it's not snowing in Michigan, we love the theater. So we're Broadway every so often. We love to dance. We love music. She sings. I try to sing every so often. All those things. Yeah, it's... So you've
1: got a good balance. Yeah. Georgia has some good golf courses, as you know. And Michigan, yeah. And Michigan, too. That's That's great. If you were to point to one or two key inflection points in your life where things could have gone differently which ones would they be and you know just we try to pinpoint some decisions for our listeners who are looking at decision points
0: you know this isn't just being lighthearted about it marrying the wrong girl would have been right on top of that list no, i kid you not right uh, that really shapes your
1: i'm not touching that man
0: <laughs> okay no i i only say that too of course you know, highlight. No, that's an important, important aspect. Right? Relationships yeah. are an important part they're of your lives. I think kids shape you. They teach you so much. They teach you way more than what you maybe teach or impart to them. Are you learning from them? Oh, every day, every second. And they are not bashful about teaching me. <laughs> yeah, they're both.
1: Yep, tell They're me both, about it. Uh, as you
0: might imagine, very self-confident, very feisty young ladies. Don't hold back. Whether they have permission at times or not. They don't hold back. That's right. So that's, I think, I don't know if that's an inflection point, but it's a really important.
1: Anything point. else in your past that, you know, maybe going to BIT, was that an inflection point?
0: Yeah, I think boarding school, going to BIT. I think boarding school was a huge leap for me. To,
1: and that was you, right? That was all me. That was, that was all you. 100
0: me. And in fact... At that time, my parents were like, why would you do that? My teachers were like, why would you do that? Even my friends, why? they asked my parents, why would you do that? At such a critical time in in, in a child's life, because I was a child. I mean, I left when I was 15, I think, or something, 14, 15. Now, if you
1: had not gone to boarding school, you think your journey would have been different?
0: Oh, boy, I never thought about it that
1: way. I think That's so. why we talk about it. I think so.
0: I think it would have been different because I would have missed out on... On that part of my life where I was stretched, if you will, to build relationships and make friends and adapt to new circumstances, whether it would have been good or bad, is something that we will never know. But I would have missed out on that. And I wouldn't want to miss out on that experience.
1: That's a good point. Anything else that you think was momentous like this?
0: I think what I said earlier about this idea of reinvention and taking some risks, and uh, you know, going to new industries and taking on new roles, little by little, I think those are probably the bricks and the foundation that seem to be holding so far. So,
1: <laughs> well, they've done uh, fairly well. Sanjay, all our guests uh, on the show talk about the role of mentors, and you know, mentors come in different shape sizes their formal informal family parents grandparents etc have mentors played any
0: role in your life oh 100% i think neither one of you i'm sure Sunday you agree with me neither one of us would be doing what we're doing in any shape any magnitude if you will if it wasn't for mentors that took risks with us and tapped us on the shoulder and said you know what i'm going to throw you and you'll figure out how to swim all along i mean the people that that i could describe to you one mm-hmm the earliest ones going back to my first job was my my boss. He was an English major. And like I said, I would always enjoy writing. So I would write even a letter or a memo. And one of the things he always taught me was how just being frugal with words when you write can convey the same message. And I had a tendency of adding more words than necessary it comes with a little bit of i i would i think the way indian english or english is written versus american english it's much more efficient how we write here in, in the states so that was new learning there were mentors that really out of the blue said i'm going to give you responsibility for this massive, you know, global responsibility. That was a mentor in many ways, and mm-hmm. people that allow you to take risks and fail, and people that say, "We get it." You want to leave after, you know, this lovely career at this company, and you want to go somewhere, but I'm going to come and get you when I'm ready for you. And she did. <laughs> so those are people that you look up to and go, "Not bad." I was lucky. That was, great. I was lucky. You're yeah. for fortunate. Yeah,
1: and you know, reaching out to great mentors. Sanjay, you obviously had an incredible career and obviously you still have so much more ahead of you. And it's in the world that we live in today with technology and things moving so fast. It's really hard to predict. But if you were to look at a crystal ball and just take a look in the near term future, where do you see your journey going? Or where would you like to see your journey go?
0: You know, I really think we are at a point that there is, The domain of knowledge is expanding like it has never expanded before. I mean, everyone talks about artificial intelligence, but it really is a catalyst to change anything and everything we do. So from a learning standpoint, you and I talked a little bit about, I look at my daughters. The older one is in public health, around quality of care, really focused on that. And she's passionate about what she's done, everything from inner cities to quality of health. And our younger one is a lawyer, attorney. And I look at how their lives are shaping and changing. And of course, there's a lot of pride that's that you hear in the voice. But at the same time, you know, I want to be learning the rest of my breathing time. And I think that's how I see it. Now, if along the way, if there's anything in kind a of small way I can give back, whether it's through teaching or leadership or you know, running businesses, mm-hmm. being part of boards, all of that is, I think, rewarding. I'm on a board now, on an external board now, it's very rewarding to kind of learn as much as share, so all of those things are in the cards, and write some more, maybe write another book, because I, uh, I wrote a book that, did. so maybe another one.
1: Wow, you got a PhD, you wrote a book, you're saying, my God, I feel so underemployed, but you know, that's a great thought. So, you think teaching would be good and, you know, self learning in looking into the future. I think self learning is critical. I think you point that out again and again, which I think is so important.
0: Yeah. And the place I'm in, our team is just fantastic. The culture is amazing. I would say this is as good a place from a culture and a passion for work that I've seen in my entire career, where people just wake up in the morning and are hungry, motivated to do the right thing. So I'm really privileged, really fortunate to do what I'm doing. And I'm really enjoying it every minute, like I said. So continuing that, do all the other things.
1: I say knock on wood. You can't see it, but I'm knocking on wood. So <laughs> may that journey continue. Sanjay, we took you into the future. We'll just take you briefly into the past. Just pretend this is another Sanjay, but this is a Sanjay that's coming out of BIT. One or two brief pieces of advice that you would give yourself
0: who's coming out of BIT? I think on the things that paid off well for me, it would be this idea of taking risks and reinventing yourself. Honestly, I couldn't point to something that I would go back and say, make sure you don't do this or that. You know, at the risk of sounding too grandiose, and that's what I'm worried about as we talk about, this comes across very self-serving, but you're so good at it, you're pulling at stuff that I think I've, uh, over the last few years, attracted to what gita and this isn't like a spiritual but it is a little bit there's something pretty valuable in whatever way of picking up a little bit here a little bit there and drips and drabs is all i'm talking about but it does shape your thinking and i would have done a few things differently if i had embraced some of the things that i would have picked up in i think of it as philosophy as much as anything else Uh, so I would have told my younger self, you know, don't be a know-it-all and maybe venture into that part of philosophy a little bit more.
1: Just continue taking risks and maybe spend a little more time in spirituality and learning a little bit more about that. Great advice. So towards the end of our show, you know, we, we generally ask our guests to give us very brief, we call it lightning round questions. You know, your definition, you kind of have defined it, but your definition of Indianness.
0: I think Indianness, especially with everything that's going on in the world now, reminds me that Indianness is about inclusiveness. And I think about it, and I've I've actually thought about it a fair bit. It's something that you grow up with. Diversity is something that is all around you, every day, afternoon, economic diversity, racial diversity, Every part of the societal diversity in India and language, geez, I mean, language diversity in India is so amazing. Cultural diversity, the sense of dressing and customs and rituals, if you will, if I could broadly talk about that. You're just born in it. You grow up in it. So the idea of speaking a different language or writing in three different scripts is, you know, passe. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. So I think inclusiveness is what comes to mind. More than a one-word answer.
1: (laughs) No, but that's a great answer, inclusiveness. I agree with you. So the final question to you is, someone not related to you, someone who is alive, could be from India or anywhere in the world, as long as they are of Indian origin, that you admire a
0: lot. You know, it would be a third of three different people. I do like, and not to get political from what I see is happening in India, but I like a third of what the leadership has done in terms of creating aspiration for people that never had aspirations. And I think that's a gift that is for generations. So I would take at least a third of that. I would take a third of public speaker in the past or in the present that is able to again i have a bias towards communication but one that does it with humility so since you're talking about people in india i mean i've got a lot that i think about you know and or it can
1: be here too or anywhere else our home
0: somebody told me this a few years ago is as a leader a trait that is the hardest to find and the most valuable is humility so a person like that, and then there would be the, the rest of the third would be around, you know, somebody that is just brilliant at their field. You know, anyone specific I, in mind? I, 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 I think we're looking for some names here. Think of a few people, right? Uh, this, it's, a, a it's a conglomerate of, of sports enthusiasts or oh. sportsmen. I haven't followed cricket in a long time, but hen.
1: There's a World Cup going
0: on. Yeah, I mean, anyway. this is a good year for India's so we World well I mean, yeah. I literally stopped watching cricket for a while. These guys are doing something pretty amazing, and again, sitting just in the Indian context, the opportunity there for vocalists and musicians, the confidence I see over the years, and people the way it's grown up. So it's a bits of all of those. There isn't one person I put on a pedestal, other than you know the, the parents I spoke of. So I would say I would say that's yeah. how I would think about it.
1: Yeah. but that's good a third a third and third i like that we we haven't had that before but sanjay thank you so very much for sharing because it's not easy to share believe me we take you back in the journey but your journey is an amazing journey of amazing parents what a great upbringing and then your journey here and also you leave us with a good message marry the right person but anyway but thanks again really appreciate you being here
0: you bet. I should close by saying probably one defining moment was the choice to come to America. I mean, we adopted this country that I've always said is probably the most charitable of nations in the world. And, you know, when you become a part and parcel of a fabric and you do what we do here, that was definitely, you know, a defining moment. But listen, I you're really good at this, and I hope this doesn't come across like I'm beating my chest, but you asked the questions and I answered them as honestly as I could. So I loved it. I enjoyed it and looking forward.
1: No, and thank you. It's not me being good. You're good. Uh, Really, this is your show. But thank you again, Sanjay. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Indianist podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future inspirational stories.